you have your Bibles, Colossians chapter two. Colossians chapter two this morning. It is a joy to be with you. Incredible worship time, so praise God for the team leading us. Danny, thank you for having me. You uh, have inspired me in multiple ways. Um, Two things about your pastor really quick. His joy is contagious and his Jesus is real. And every time I've heard him preach and teach, I believe that he believed it. Um, and that doesn't happen often times. So grateful to God for you. Colossians chapter two. I wanna just walk us through this text this morning. Being from the coast of North Carolina, we won't say much more about North Carolina this morning. Being from the coast, my family and I love going down to the beach, hanging out at the beach on vacation. And when our kids were a bit younger, they're 2018, 14, 16 now, when they were around nine, seven, five, three, um, it, it was pretty chaotic. We were in diapers for nine years, not me personally, but the, the kids uh, at, at some level as a family. And so when we would go down to the coast, um, we, would, we would take the kids and sometimes I was challenged by an older friend mentor to encourage your wife by allowing her to have some free time to just relax on the beach. And so as she was set up relaxing because she works really hard at the, at the house, uh, I took all four, I would have one around me, one, and we would ease out into the ocean. And as we were out in the ocean, um, we, we would, you know, I'm, I'm just doing head count. I've, I've forgotten their names. I'm just doing head count to make sure I still have them. So one's hanging on, one's hanging on, waves are hitting and, and I'm, I'm moving around. I'm just, I'm having a good time on vacation. And then I just, a little pride came, you know, I'm serving my wife in this way. So I wanted to kind of turn and, and give her a little glance back up on the, on the beach. And I know she's gone. <laughs> and I'm like, what? I didn't think she would leave me like this. <laughs> I'm like, what in the world? And plus I told her if she ever left me, I was gonna go with her. And I was like, what it happened? And so I'm a little panicked. And, and I look about, it seemed like a half mile, it wasn't, it seemed like a half a mile up the, up the beach and, and there she was. And I go, why would she get all the stuff up and move all the way down the beach? And then I quickly realized that I had actually moved because of the current under me. And the scary part about it is I didn't even know it. It just took me. And this is what culture's doing. It's subtle. If you don't have a reference point and fix your eyes on the king of the universe, your feet on earth and your head in heaven, you'll move away from him and you won't even know it. And yet now today, it's like a, like a rip current almost that's moving people from Christ, the culture. And so Paul knows this. This, this, is, this book is incredible because he's, he's writing to a church in Colossae. It's in modern day Turkey. 
And, and the letter, right, when you think about this letter, what you have in your hands this morning is a miracle. Because Paul was preaching in Ephesus, which is modern day Izmir in Turkey. And there's a guy named Epaphras who came to faith in Christ. And then probably it's about a three hour trek. I've been to Colossae and studied those areas when I was in school, had the opportunity to go to some of these sites. And so as you go back from, Is, from Ephesus to to Colossae, where Paul was preaching in Ephesus and Epaphras came to Christ. He goes back and plants a church, probably in Philemon's house in Colossae. And these, these teachings that, that are trying to get into the church, these teachings, he had such a love for the fidelity of the gospel that, that he traveled, right? And Southwest Airlines is not in service at this time. He travels. I'm gonna show you this map. I think I have it. As, as he goes all the way to Rome, some 1,200 miles boat by, by his, his feet. He's just walking. He gets there. He finds Paul in prison. He tells him what's happening. And then Paul pens this letter to encourage and exalt. Because we'll see in chapter two that he, he hadn't even seen them face to face, but he has a heart for them. And then Tychicus chapter four of Colossians tells us that he probably brought it back. And this is probably months and months of a journey. And God preserved it for you and I to read this morning. It's a miracle of God's grace to have this word. And so let's read from chapter two, verse six. It says, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving and see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to the human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily and you have been filled in him and who is the head of all rule and all authority. And so how in the world do we walk with Christ in such a way that the current doesn't take us away from Christ? Well, I think Paul is exhorting because in chapter two earlier, he just says, man, I want you to understand the full assurance of all that you have in Christ, all that you have in him, whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He's, he's designed for them to continue steadfast walking with him. And so three truths this morning. The first is this, is that Jesus calls us to walk by faith. Notice what he says in verse six. He says, therefore, therefore, so in light of what has just been said, in light of him saying, I, I want you to know I've, I've had great struggle for you. And all those in Laodicea, this other area, that, that I have not seen you face to face, but, but I want your hearts to be encouraged and, and that you be knit together in love and that you would reach the, the full riches of and assurance of understanding the knowledge of God in Christ. This mystery that's been revealed now that's in Christ. He says, now, therefore, in light of this, as you received Christ, Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. So, so what, is, what does that mean? as you received him to walk in him. How do you receive Christ? You receive Christ by faith. 
It's, it's grace alone. It's his mercy that opens your eyes and opens your heart to, to lean, to incline your heart to trust him to believe on him, the good news of Christ, that he's lived the life that you and I could not live. He died the death that you and I deserve, was buried and then rose victoriously from the dead, conquering both sin and its wages, death. And, and when you hear this news and you understand the reality that you and I have rebelled against him, that our, our best day is not good enough to reach him and our worst day isn't outside the love of God. And, and when you just come to that place and you lean in and by faith you trust, just last week I had the opportunity to lead this lady in our kitchen at our church. She was overwhelmed. She's like, what's I'm having a, a panic attack. I've never felt what's going on. And I'm saying, well, Jesus is not a Band-Aid. He's, a, he's a li the living God that invades your heart. You're having a Jesus quake. That's what you're having. You're having a Jesus quake. He's, he's radically re, uh, coming into your life by the Spirit of God. And she believed on him. Proverbs 3 says it like this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. This word, lean not, it's, it's an interesting word in the Hebrew. It, like here, I'm leaning half weight on my feet, half weight on this cool thing. And, 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 and so, so, but it's not all. This word in the Hebrew means all of it to get up on top, put all the weight on this, right? To, to put all the trust, not in yourself, but in him. Now it's interesting, let's, let's do quickly some, some doctrine, because learned this from seminary profs, and so some of the return on the investment, here it goes, right? There's a doctrine, we don't use this word a lot in everyday language, called the doctrine of soteriology, it's the doctrine of salvation. And in the South, sometimes we get it mixed up. But I wanna just be clear what Paul's encouraging them to, to walk as they're walking with him by faith, right? They're not being saved again, they're being sanctified. So, so to understand the, the, the totality of salvation, right? When you and I are made right with God, the day you first believe, the day you put your trust in him, right? It's like going to heaven's courtroom, right? You go to earthly courtroom, everyone's innocent until proven guilty. In the heavenly courtroom, everyone's guilty until made innocent by the blood of Christ. And so when you go and you stand before God and, and you're acknowledging wherever that was on that day, and maybe today's the day that, that you, you come to faith, he, he justifies you. It's called justification by faith alone. You are declared right on the basis of another man's righteousness. Right, Second Corinthians 5, he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the sons of God. It's the great exchange. He takes our sin, we get his righteousness. He drank every, just saying it, he drank every bit of the wrath of God. Not a drop of wrath will touch you on that day because of the blood of Christ. And he makes you, he declares you righteous. By faith, you're justified. Here, as you're walking through life, ups and down, hard days, good days, bad days, struggle days, right? Sin, repent, confess. Oh, just, it's, 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 it's just life. <laughs> That's sanctification. He's just make, setting you apart. It's by faith. You keep trusting him not to be justified. You keep trusting him because he has justified you. You keep trusting him for the daily decisions, not to be made right with him, but because you are made right with him. And you keep walking with him. 
and you keep leaning in to him. And then one day, glorification, where we will see the very son of God face to face. Listen, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians says it like this. For we live by faith and not by sight. He says, therefore, just as you have received Christ Jesus, so walk, walk with him, trusting him. Yes, running the race with a sense of urgency, but trust him, trust his word, trust his heart. If you can't see his hand moving, trust his heart. I remember years ago near Southeastern Seminary, Danny, you remember that little town called Lewisburg, North Carolina? It was a small town, and, and this is before I got married, because I probably wouldn't have done this after I got married. But my brother and I had always, he was a paratrooper in the 82nd Airborne, and most of those jumps are about 500 feet, static line, chute opens right when you come out the door, made about 40, 50 jumps, but we always wanted to jump. He wanted to, and I wanted to join him, uh, a lot higher. And so we go to Lewisburg on a Wednesday. There's an airport out there, one, just one, <laughs> it's, it's a little country airport. Um, and, and we're getting ready and we had done some research online and the research online showed that, that p- when you parachute, when you tandem jump, it looks like this. I'll show you a, a quick pick. Um, it's, you, you pretty much stand up, right? They, 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 they lock up somebody behind you, uh, an expert knows what they're doing. And, and then you just kind of walk up to the back of the plane and, and boom, you go out. Well, on this particular day, because it's a Wednesday, there's not many people coming to do this. Uh, they, couldn't afford, they couldn't afford the gas to take the big plane up. So they took this plane, the smaller plane, the next one, um, like, like a little Cessna. And I'm like, I mean, how, we, how do you, I, don't, I can't even fit in that. How am I gonna get out of that? Right? And so, so, there, so what they did was, we, there's one seat, they took a seat out. It was like a rebuilt Cessna. I, I was just I'm glad I had a shoot because I wasn't sure if it was gonna come back down. And so, so you, you got this young kid, nothing to get young folk in the house. We love you in the house. But this young kid, he like had a tank top on flying the plane. And I'm like, what, I, what, what are you doing? And so, so we're up to about 12,000 feet and, and, and I had to get underneath the dash of the plane like this. And then he slid in behind me and hooked up the, the instructor. So he's hooked up top, bottom. And then he goes, all right, now step out on the wheel. And I'm like, man, I, I did not pay to step out on, a, I paid to parachute. Like I didn't pay to climb out of a Cessna and hang on to the wing and stand on the wheel. I'm like, are you serious? And he's like, let's go, let's do this. And then I look back at the pilot. I'm like, I'm not sure if we're gonna make it back anyway. So I step out, right? I step out, I'm on, the, I'm on the wheel, I'm hanging on to the wing. He steps out, he tightens the cords. He puts his feet, straddles mine over the wheel. And he's like, all right, now lift your legs up hang on and, and then let go of the, and I'm like, what are you talking about? And so I'm, I'm, like, I'm like this, right? Hanging on the side of the plane. And he goes, now listen, look at the plane when you let go so you get a sensation of falling. <laughs> really? So, so go 120 miles an hour flying. He's giving me all kinds of instructions, right? this arm out because we could do some twists and this and, and then he's like it's time and I'm like yeah because the ground's getting closer and I'm like and he's like fold them legs in tight and all these right and he whispers because like his head's right here so his mouth is right here so he whispers like man it looks like we got a good shoot 
<laughs> thanks. Thanks. Thanks again for the encouragement, man. Now, here's the thing. I didn't question one thing he told me to do. I didn't question one thing. I obeyed, I listened to everything he told me. And I couldn't even see him. I could only hear his words. I didn't question him. I just leaned in and listened. And how much more should you and I lean into the one who, I don't even remember that guy's name to this day. The one who's created you and made you and crushed his son and for you. So, so when you come to this word and lean in and on it, he's not holding out on you. He's not a, he's not a killjoy God. He's for you. If he would crush his son, how much more would he not also give what you need? Notice the flow of the text. To walk by faith, notice what happens in verse seven. You're rooted, built up, and established in the faith. Notice the text in verse seven. He says, you're rooted, built up, and established. Now these are fascinating words. Now hang on with me for just a moment. Watch this. These are fascinating words because the imperative, the command in this text is to walk. He's telling you to walk. Now, and it's an active, it's like, it's like, it's up to you to keep trusting, keep trusting. Now he changes the tense of each verb three times. It's fascinating. What he does, he does root it, it's in the passive Built up is in the passive voice, meaning this is done to you. So in other words, when you trust God, when you walk with God, this is what God's gonna do to you, right? As a believer, as a follower of Jesus, this is what's gonna happen. You're gonna keep trusting him, hard days, good days, bad days, great days, and then he, God, in his grace and mercy, he's going to root you deeper. He's gonna do it to you. He's gonna build you, and you gotta go down before you go up, and so he's gonna root you deeply, those roots, and then he's gonna grow you, and then he's gonna strengthen and establish you. This is what he does. He does this to you when you trust him. It's fascinating. And then he switches the tenses again when he goes to the word abounding back to an active voice. So what, what, what's, what's, your, what's your role in this? Hey, trust him and be thankful and watch out what will happen. Wouldn't it be amazing if, if people in our culture, when they ask what was Christianity all about and what it stood for, most people could tell you the 10 things we, we stand against. They, very few could tell you what we are for. And wouldn't it be a miracle of God for us to live in such a way to trust him, being rooted, built up, established, abounding, overflowing, in excess of gratitude? A people marked by gratitude and thanksgiving. We have missionary friends in the, in the Middle East and every year, they have a, their family, there's four of them. They have a journal, it's called the Gratitude Journal. And they, they just write things they're thankful for all the time. That's all they write in their journal. And during Christmas and New Year's, they sit around and they read it to each other. And recently, past years, he told me, Dave, 
It was such a sweet time. It took us 10 hours to get through our journals. And this year I had 1,285 things that I had wrote that I was grateful for as a missionary in the Middle East where it's illegal to worship the way we just worshiped. So listen, are you walking by faith? Are you walking by fear? What is God? He calls us to walk by faith. Second, he does this. He cautions us, Jesus, to guard our faith. Look at verse eight. Verse eight, he says, now see to it. He wants you to take attention to this, right? That no one takes you captive. That no one takes you captive. Meaning this, this word means to, to grab you and to hold you and to keep you there. So see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy, this study of the fundamental nature of knowledge and reality and existence, the philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, the elemental spirits of the world, the, the culture's uh, the culture has a message. And you and I as followers of Jesus need to learn to out-narrate the culture. We, we have a better narrative in this book. We have a better story. We have categories for suffering in this book. And to learn how to navigate that. Listen, I know doubt and discouragement knock at the door of your heart every day. It does my heart. And ideologies and worldviews, they are flying in the face of Jesus and the Bible every day. And it's trying to take you captive, to lean in. Think about a couple of these things in our culture that, that do this. Think, think about social media, right? Social media, there, there's a longing for notifications and, and likes on things we post that will move us to a point of despair if we don't have them. Think about that for a moment. No, the, the, the notifications, like, like I don't have the capacity. That's why I don't have my notifications on. Because <laughs> I don't have the capacity to receive it. That's why I don't, I don't struggle with Instagram. Because I don't have it. <laughs> The world existed for probably 6,000 years without it. It's gonna be okay. And listen, if you do, the key is just don't let it have you. If you do, don't let it have you. And the way it has you is that it draws you in. It's trying to create a narrative for you to believe that you need this product to be fulfilled. You need these likes to be fulfilled. And the way you combat that is that you have to apply the gospel to your heart and to your mind on a daily basis. The, 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 way, the way you guard your heart against longing for likes is to be reminded that you are loved by a holy God when you are in an unholy state, right? That, that's the way you combat, that's the way you, you, you put the gospel toward the front of your heart to guard against this longing for all these likes. And then your worth and value is, is then weighed out on the amount of whether it's too low or too high. And then you're, you're just, you're emotionally like this. 
And the way you can navigate and walk through that is to be reminded of the gospel that you're loved by God and, and he, you don't, you don't, you don't he, he, he doesn't give likes, he gives love. And you lean in, right? Think, think about, think about the, the, the messaging of our campuses. Think about the messaging of our, our culture, sex and status and stuff, right? This is, this is everything. The American dream, here it is. You ready for it? I'm gonna sum it up for you real quick. Get all you can, can all you get, and sit on your can. The American dream summed up real fast, right? Get all you can, can all you get, and then sit on your can. And it will leave you empty and always wanting more. Danny and I, we've probably done a lot of funerals and none of them, none of them, have we ever been at the graveside and there cars and boats and U-Haul were pulled up beside it. Never. I mean, you come into the world, you think about this, just think about this. You're swimming in mama for, for, for nine months in water. They smack you on the back. You start breathing. And then it's a box. There's the bookends. So listen, guard your heart. Guard your heart. And here's, I think, the best way to do it. Get a Bible reading plan. If you don't have a Bible reading plan, talk to pastor, talk to leaders, get a, talk to me. There's someone, at, they're all over the place. We can help you. But you, what the Bible is, what food is to my body, the Bible is to my heart, soul, and mind. And if I go, if I miss a few meals, I'm a little grumpy. <laughs> and you miss this, there's a hook that gets you and it's gonna move you down the, down the coast. It's gonna move you, and it does it subtle and slow. It's not, it's, it's not that one bad decision, right? It's those, those small ones that end up about five years down the road and there's no reference points because it's, it's taking you all the way out in the ocean. This is what these ideologies do. Now listen, I know we, we talked a little bit about UNC this morning and if you're, if you're a Baylor fan, we'll have some prayer time down here afterwards. But, but, here's, but here's, the, here's the thing. There's some things at UNC that's not that good. And my wife took introduction to New Testament by a professor who had his PhD in Greek New Testament from Princeton. And this is the way he starts. You got 500 freshmen in Introduction to New Testament at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. This is the way he starts his class. Welcome to class. Um, see on the syllabus a few questions to start our, our time. Let me just ask you how many in the room have read and he'll just reference whatever's the, the, the latest reading trend, right? Harry Potter, Hunger Games, just whatever it is that, that, that popular that everybody's into. How many's read Hunger Games? Oh, like 497 hands up, up in the air. Ah, okay. Then he asks this question and, he, and he's, he, he, it's, it's, the, it's amazing how he, how he twist it a little bit. He says it like this. He said, let me ask you this question. How many do you believe that God wrote the Bible? Inspired it, wrote it through people? Just 
out of respect for the book, the class, but most 450, 480, most hands. You're in that class. You want to learn a little bit about the New Testament. And then he says this. He says, how many have actually read the whole Bible? About 20 hands go up. And then he starts laughing. And this is, this is what he says. He goes, so, so you've read the Hunger Games. You told me, I didn't tell you God wrote the book. I did a survey and by the survey, you told me that God wrote the book. And hardly any of you have read it. And the reason is because you probably don't really believe it. And I'm gonna show you why you shouldn't. Welcome to New Testament introduction. So listen, Colossians 2, he says it like this in verse four. He says, listen, I say all of this. He says, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. That no one would, would delude you with these arguments. That, that you would know the full assurance of understanding and knowledge of God's mystery. God's mystery, what is that? That he's, he's redeeming people and now, now it's known. And it's Christ who in, are hidden all treasures and wisdom and knowledge. He says, I say this. I'm struggling for you in, in prayer. I can't see you, but I wish I could. But I want to encourage your hearts to lean in, to walk by faith and to guard your faith. This is what the, the enemy does. The first question, the first question in the Bible comes from the enemy questioning the Bible. The first question the enemy asks Eve, did God really say not to do that? I mean, he's, he's so cunning and deceitful in the way he tempts. Majority of people that I talk to that have, want hardly anything to do with Christianity. Maybe you're here this morning and have objections to it because of the hypocrisy and the chaos. And listen, Danny, all the pastors, we're, we're sinners saved by grace. It's grace alone, it's mercy. And we're trying to get home to see the God who made us. And we take his word, we take every word of it and we lean into it. I'd encourage you, listen, listen, a time is coming, Timothy says, a time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And it's happening everywhere. Guard, guard your heart. Guard your mind. Get a Bible reading plan. And when you read it, don't, your first question should not be, what should I do? Your first question is, God, show me your son. Show me your character. Show me, I wanna encounter the living God who breathed this book. I, want to, I just want to walk and be loved by him and love him. And then ask, what do you want me to do today? The third thing and last, we'll shut it down. Here it is. He, he, he calls us to walk by faith. He cautions us to guard our faith. But he also, Jesus, compels us to grow in our faith. Notice what he says after verse 8. 
he comes back to say, now listen, you wanna make sure you're not captive by these empty, deceitful ways. For, verse nine, for in him, in Jesus, the, now, now watch these two words, the whole fullness, not just some, but the whole and the fullness of deity dwells bodily. The, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. The Son of God is the living God. He is from God. He is the only way the Bible teaches. Listen, the only way to know the Father. You have to be perfect to get to heaven. You have to, the only way we have to go on someone else's merit. We have to go on someone else's righteousness. And it's the Son of God. And listen, when I started ministry 20 some years ago, I would wrestle with these. We wrestle with them in seminary, these questions. How can a loving God allow suffering? If you have that question, that's a great question. That's an objection to the Christian faith. And we need to lean in and have a conversation about that. I would have those conversations oftentimes. But, but as, I, as I go through life, ups and downs, the question I have now for my own heart is how can a holy God let me live another day? How in the world, in his love and grace, does he allow me, wretched, to keep breathing? And it's grace upon grace upon grace. It's, people are mad because this Bible says there's one way to God. I'm shocked there's even one way. Knowing the wretchedness of my heart. Completely shocked. He can, listen, you have to look at this. If you're bored with Jesus, you, 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 may, you may not know him. He's not boring. Hebrews 1 says that in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets and in many times in various ways. But in these last days, he spoke to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he also made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And he had provided purification. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. What compels you to live? What compels you to walk the way you walk? Jesus, he changes everything. And Paul knows this. This is why in chapter one, verses 15 through 17, he just lays out this incredible, incredible like portrait of who Jesus is. From him, all things were made in heaven and earth. And, and in him, all things are held together. He's, he's the creator God. He's the sustainer God. He's the supreme one. See, God, Paul wants us to look at him before we walk with him, to see who he is. Think about this for just a minute as we land a plane. 90, the sun is 93 million miles away and 1.3 million earths could fit inside the sun. And we live in the Milky Way galaxy where 6.14 with 36 zeros behind it, earths could fit in the Milky Way galaxy. Think about NASA sent the New Horizons space rocket in 2006 to Pluto, traveling 36,400 miles an hour, and it flew by Pluto in 2015. (laughs) 
Jesus made the universe and he upholds it by the power of his word. By the power of his word. Colossians 4 ends it like this. He says to walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of your time. When you're compelled by him, when you're captured by Jesus and who he is and what he's done, listen, it helps you not only to walk in faith, but to walk in wisdom. And so I'd encourage you today, if you've, if you've never trusted Christ in, a, in being justified, made right with him, to consider Jesus today. To consider Jesus. To trust Jesus today. For those who have trusted Jesus, hey, keep trusting. Keep leaning in. C.S. Lewis says in The Weight of Glory, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too, too strong, but too weak. We're half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because we can't imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We're far too easily pleased. Listen, he calls us to walk by faith. He cautions us to guard our faith and he compels us, the son of God, in all of his glory to leverage everything you have to make him known, to live to make his name known and make the best use, make the best use of the time. Not the time on the clock, the time you have while you breathe, the season of life you're in. Hard time, good time. Paul's writing this from prison. It's a hard day for him. And yet there's still hope to be found. So a few takeaways, and I'll pray for us, is to trust him. I've encouraged you to consider him. So talk to some of the leaders to trust him maybe today. Take your Bible seriously. Take your Bible seriously. If you don't have one, we'll give you one. Just going out on a limb here, right? So we give those away to you. Uh, and, and then read it and, get, and, and start. Start to read it. Talk with the pastors here. The third one is this, is to treasure Jesus. Just treasure him above all, all earthly things. He will satisfy your soul. If you trust in anything other than Jesus, it's not gonna satisfy your heart and it's gonna crush you if you don't obtain it. It'll just haunt you. This is what idols do, right? They promise to satisfy and they don't. And then when you don't obtain it, it crushes you and you just live in this emotional roller coaster because you're fixed on things that your heart was never intended to be fixed on. And then take the initiative, take the initiative to tell everybody about this king. The world is on fire. I don't have to convince anybody of that anymore, right? And there's one king and he's coming back. And so let's be ready for that day. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, we are grateful for your kindness and your mercy to us. I thank you for great hills, God. I pray that you would use them in a great way to be a light in this city. And Lord, that you would strengthen them and that you would encourage them and that you would, God, continue to use them, to mobilize many, not only to the city, but to the nations for the sake of your son. And so, Lord, we love you. We bless your name this morning and thank you for all that you've done and accomplished that we could not in our own strength ever do. And we pray it in Jesus' name, amen.